from my own perspective, be on this side of the world. Uh, I've been in India for there for five days, actually, I don't know, maybe seven days, depending on how you count it. I spent the night in a hotel in Delhi one night, and then a night in a sleeping pod in the airport one night, which was fascinating, because it had no roof. You could hear, Flight 41 is now boarding. It's really hard to sleep when you hear that. But uh, anyway, I'm glad to be back. It was a really very successful trip. I appreciate you praying for the trip. Uh, we went to help uh, a friend of mine, uh, Tim Shang Sharik, and here's a picture of Tim Shang and his family. Uh, that poster is a poster that his oldest daughter uh, drew for the USA team, and our pictures are on there, and she drew that for us to welcome us. It was very, very kind. Uh, Tim Shang was here in the States for three or four years and was going to graduate school. And he uh, finished graduate school, moved back to Northeast India. He's from Northeast India. He is a Naga uh, from Nagaland. He's a Naga from the Naga tribe in Northeast India. It's a it's a Christian tribe, but they're also a warrior tribe. And uh, we were in a museum, and he was Tim Shang's a little guy, but we're in this museum, and he points to this spear, and he says, "I, I learned how to use that spear from a young age." And we're like, oh, really? He said, yeah. We used to kill buffalo with it. Kind of gave you a different perspective on Tim Shong. Okay. <laughs> he can handle a spear, so don't mess with Tim Shong. But um, we had a, a tremendous time with him. We went to help him to try to figure out our network of churches, how we could support what he's doing. He moved back to Gwati, India. That's not really where he's from. It's a city of two million, which in a country of a billion isn't very big, but it's a city of two million. Uh, and it's you can see it on the map. I have a map here. It is up up by China, next to Bangladesh, uh, over by Burma, now Myanmar, used to be Burma. Um, and so you can see where it's located, s- sort of toward uh, in that area. And uh, he's starting a church in a city where the last church was started, from what I could tell, from what we could gather, the last church was started in the 1850s by the British missionaries. They don't, they don't really think in terms of starting churches. Um, but there are tribes who are Christian tribes, and when they come to the city, they have fellowships for them, but they're not thinking about helping other people come to Christ and, and grow. And so he wants to do something new. There, he started uh, what he calls City Fellowship, and he hopes that grows into City Church in Guwahati. But the seminar that we did was very successful. Here's a picture of the five of us who were there to to help Tim Shang and do the seminar. Those are very Chinese-looking hats because there's a lot of Chinese influence in that area, and then we have a shawl, kind of a, a shawl around us that's traditional Assamese. Uh, shawl. Um, when the seminar was very successful. We weren't quite sure. There are hundreds of languages in this in this part of India, hundreds. And so we, as we watched people communicate, they needed an interpreter to talk to one another, and they all spoke some sort of English. Um, it was hard at times to understand. And so we were just wondering about the the ability to communicate the concepts we were trying to communicate in English. 
there were about 120 in attendance. And as we began to dialogue, we'd, we'd lay out the, the principles and dialogue. We could tell they were really getting it. They, they, they can understand English very well. And um, in the dialogue, we realized, wow, they're, they're really catching this. This is fantastic. Um, there, there were about 120 in attendance. I don't know if I said that or not. But um, one, one student, there's a university in Guwahati. One student, a Hindu student, attended the seminar. He saw the poster for the seminar in the city. And he attended the, the seminar, got a lot out of it, was eating it up. He's a physics student there in the university. And then uh, Tim Chong's wife, Worthingla, uh, invited him to the city fellowship that was meeting the next day, and he came. He came to the fellowship. So that was a lot of fun to see that going on. Um, it, 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 was, it was interesting to watch how God is marshalling the forces, bringing key men and women around to really help Tim Chong do what he's doing. Um, very, very encouraging. Uh, I hope to have a short video to show at some point of kind of the trip and what we did, and and that way you can hear more about what was going on. It was a very packed five days while we were in in the country. I think we we had like maybe an hour to look at the museum and see some other things in the city, but it was great. I really appreciate you praying. God kept us all safe. Nobody got sick, um, and we all were, were very well for the trip and able to contribute in the ways that that we should. So I appreciate that. We're getting moving on uh, in the series that we've been doing on how to bounce back from anything. And today we're talking about another RE word. When when you're trying to move into the future, uh, something that we all have to deal with is our past. We, We have to do something with our past as we move into the future. The R-E word that we're talking about today is redeem. Redeem means to buy back. One Greek dictionary I wrote, which is the original language that the New Testament was written in, it defined redeem as the payment of a price to recover something from the power of another. It means to buy back something that somebody else has and you buy it back from them. We, we redeem things all the time, like coupons. You know, we get a coupon for something. We redeem the coupon. Or somebody gives us a gift card, and you redeem the gift card. <clears throat> that means the store buys it back in exchange for the item that you want to pur- purchase. They have the item, you buy it, you, you, you use the gift card. The store buys back the gift card in exchange for what you want to pur- purchase. Something else that we try to redeem is poor performance or wrong behavior. The Lakers are going to start talking at the beginning of next year on how they plan to redeem themselves from their poor performance in the playoffs this year. And I you know, I know maybe they're already talking about it. Well, I don't know. I haven't been here. I didn't even know it happened until I was on the way back. I found out the Lakers swept got swept by the, the Mavericks. Um, but they're going to start talking about we need to redeem ourselves. We try to redeem poor performance. I still have an event in my sophomore year of high school that, if I thought about it very long, would would really bother me. But it's not that big a deal. I was on third base in a playoff game, semifinal game, CIF semifinals, and I made a base running error that probably cost us a game. We lost the game two to one, 
and I made a base running error that caused there to be a double play, and it was all over. And that's, that's something I would like to rewind, but you cannot rewind. Can't go back. It was a stupid mistake. We have things like that in life. I say things. I do things. I would love to rewind. I'd like to just go back just a, a little ways and have a do-over. But there's no rewinding in life. You know, on TV, we have video recorders now where you can pause and rewind live TV. You can't do that in live life. It happens, and as soon as it happens, it's in the past, and you have to deal with the past somehow in order to move forward. There, there are things that we've all done that are like this. We, we all have these things. We, something we've done, something we've said that brought trouble on ourselves, and we wish we could take it back because of the, the trouble it brought on ourselves, on the people close to us, on the problems that it, that it caused, something we said in anger, or something else that we just wish we could take it back, but we can't, and it left a mark. We have patterns in our life and habits that are destructive, and as we live these patterns, they leave us empty. They're just empty patterns. What are we going to do with this past? What are we going to do with these things? How do we move into the future and deal with the past? How do we do that? That's what we're going to look at today. We're all given a certain amount of time in life. 168 hours in a week is what we have. Uh, we don't normally think this way, but what we are actually doing is we're making purchases with our time. We're, we're purchasing a future. As we make choices every day, we, we are purchasing a certain future. The Bible puts it this way, we will reap what we sow. We are sowing good fruit and outcomes with the things we say and do, or we're sowing rotten fruit and outcomes with the things we say and do. But once we've made the choice of what we will say and do, we cannot buy back the time. It's gone. It's in the past. We have planted the seed that will either grow into good fruit or rotten fruit. These are non-refundable purchases that we make with our time Every day. No way of going back. Since this is the case, since we can't rewind life, a major thing that we have to deal with in order to bounce back and move into the future is our past. Now, we all have junk in our past that we have to deal with. If we don't find a real way to deal with it, we won't bounce because it's like a heavy weight that's chained to our ankles and we can't bounce. We can't get off the ground. We will never bounce with our past chained to us. So we need to find a way to redeem it, a real way to redeem it. Redemption is about dealing with our past. That, that's what it's all about. We, we can't redeem our past on our own. We, we need help. Because we keep sinning and we keep buying more junk that gets added to the weight that we're carrying around with us. The moment we say something or do something, it's in our past. It may be a very immediate past, but it's there. How do we deal with our past? How do we deal with this weight that we tend to carry around? Our own effort isn't enough. It's just flat not enough. It doesn't erase our past at all. Jesus is the only one 
who can buy back the junk from our past and free us from the weight of it all. So today, I'm going to explain how and why this is necessary. Because Jesus offers to buy two things back from our past. He, he, he offers to buy back and remove a curse on our future. We're going to look at a passage that talks about this curse. Second, he, he offers to buy back empty life patterns and to redeem them. So he, he offers to redeem us from these two things. First, we're going to look at how Jesus helps us deal, deal with our past by removing the curse. Most people try to make up for their past by doing better in the future. We blow it, or we really mess up, and what do we say? We say things like, God, if you get me out of this, I'm never going to do that again. If just, just this one, just please, bail me out. If you bail me out, I'm never going to do this again. Um, and really, this is what world religions are all about. They're, they're about making up for our past. They're about doing good so that we can, we can deal with our past that way. All of, all of the world religions except Christianity. That's not, that's not what Christianity is about. The Bible explains why trying to make up for our past under our own power and with good behavior doesn't work. We have all brought a curse on ourselves. The curse is the result of sin. Look at Galatians 3.10. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of law. This passage explains that everyone who doesn't do everything written in the book of the law are under a curse. Everything everything in the scriptures. If you haven't done everything in there, you're under a curse. We're all under a curse. None of us have done everything. None of us continue to do everything. People are made in the image of God. And that means that we're dependent on Him like a shadow is dependent on the thing that creates it. Without the thing that creates the shadow, there is no shadow. We're dependent on God like that. Since God made us, it's only right to do life, to live life the way that He asks us to live life, to follow his law, his principles that he's put into place. But we don't follow his law. We don't continue to do everything that's written in the law. And this puts us under a curse. It separates us from God. That's, that's the biggest evidence of the curse. It separates us from him and even just one sin separates us from God because he is holy and completely pure. Sin cannot exist in his presence. So once we decide to rebel and go our own way, it cuts us off from him. It separates us from him. And we begin to experience life separated from him. Now, if I were to jump off a pier with a concrete block tied to my ankle, chained to my ankle, then what's going to happen is I'm going to sink and I'm going to drown because I'm not made. I don't have gills. I have lungs. I'm not made to survive and live in that environment under the water. It's just not the way I'm made. When we sin, we're separated from God. And we aren't made to 
to live apart from him. So we die spiritually. That's, that's the curse. We're under this curse. Spiritually, we're dead in our natural state. In the Bible, cursing and blessing are territorial ideas. In other words, we either live in the zone of blessing or the zone of cursing. They're like realms. They're lands that we live in, so to speak. God didn't put us in the land of cursing. We did by our own decision to disobey him. We, we put ourselves in it when we sinned. Now, he has wired this consequence into the way life works, hoping that it leaves such a bad, sour, rotten taste in our mouth and in our lives that we'll turn back to him and, and seek him and accept what he's done to bring us back into the zone of blessing because Jesus wants to put us in the blessing zone. That's what Jesus wants to do. Look at verses 13 and 14 of Galatians 3. Christ redeemed us. There's, there's our word. He bought us back from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. Jesus hung on a tree for you and I. He, he was crucified. To, to, to redeem us from this curse that we're experiencing. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. We, we can't redeem our past. We can't really do anything to deal with it. So Jesus did. Jesus did it for us. Out of God's love, out of his kindness, he redeemed us from our past. He paid for the curse that we brought on ourselves by dying on the cross in our place. And we activate what Jesus has done by putting our faith in him. By quit, We don't, we don't try to make up for our past by improved behavior. God, I'll never do it again. I, I, I promise. I'm going to make a, we don't do it. We put our faith in Jesus and what he's done. And the moment we put our faith in him and trust him with our lives, the curse is removed. God did this because he loves us deeply. But each one of us must choose faith to get into the blessing zone, to experience life the way God intended it. When we choose faith, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the promise of the Holy Spirit who gives us the help and the power we need to live for God, to live for Him. He, he helps us to obey in different ways. In this life, if we ignore God's commands, then we have trouble, and we, br we bring that trouble on ourselves. If we ignore God's commands about money, about, about giving and, and supporting His work, if we refuse to give, if we refuse to be generous, if we refuse to support what he's doing in the world and his work in the world, our money gets cursed by God. You find that in Malachi 3. God gives the Holy Spirit to remind us of these kinds of things, to remind us of God's way and to help us to live it. If we ignore what God says about living in peace and instead we just choose to harbor our anger and bitterness and hang on to our grudges and not let them go, 
We grieve the Holy Spirit. And we live in frustration. And, and worse, it can spiral down into resentment and bitterness and some, some real nasty relational stuff. Husbands, if you treat your wife harshly, then your prayers are hindered. These things, this is, this, this is, these are descriptions of the zone of blessing and the zone of cursing. The zone of cursing we bring on ourselves. These are real. These are real zones. These are real lands that we live in, one or the other. Jesus wants to put you and I in the blessing zone, so he died to remove the curse so that we could experience the blessing God wants for us. He, he wants to, and then, and then once we, put our faith in him, his Holy Spirit comes to live in us to help us live and stay in the blessing zone. This is how Jesus redeems our past. This is how he removes the curse and, and redeems our past. He takes, he takes the curse on himself. He also offers to redeem our past by replacing empty patterns. 1 Peter 1, 18-19 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You know, much of life that we know is handed down to us. We, we, didn't, we didn't design a car. We didn't figure out how to make the first car, but we enjoy it because it was handed somebody before us Designed cars, figured out how to, how to make them work, designed the engine, built them, and put them together. And now we live in a society where there are cars. There are also cars in India. It's quite a ride going on the streets of India. <laughs> I was in the front seat going, oh boy, it was exciting. Um, somebody developed the modern banking system. Now we live inside the modern banking system. Somebody came up with our system of government. We may add to it or tweak it or change it a little bit, but our way of life was handed down to us. It was given to us. Nobody starts from scratch except the first two people. And then from the first two people, things started getting handed down from there. Our, our ancestors have handed down to us their way of life. Some cultures have ideas embedded in them about false gods. I was just in a culture that, that has uh, a lot of false gods embedded into the culture, the way they believe. We had to really be careful when cows were in the road. I mean, when you're driving, cows, goats, dogs, you honk at the dogs and the, the goats, but you're more gentle with the cows because they worship the cows. You don't want to hit a cow in India. But... That was a culture embedded with false gods. It was, it, was, it was really fun to see this. One, one of the guys at the fellowship, the city fellowship in Guwahati that Tim Chong's starting, was from a Hindu background. His name was Robert. I think he was in his early 40s, I'd guess. I, I don't know. Um, but I think he was in his early 40s. And he's from a Hindu background. When he was 16, he read a story of a Hindu god. And he was extremely demoralized by the way the story turned out. He, he was so demoralized that he became despondent. And then somehow he got an Assamese New Testament and he read the Gospels. And as he read the Gospels, he decided to follow Christ and God completely redeemed him. 
from that way of life. Pretty fun to hear how God's working all over the world, really. Um, in our culture, materialism is very high on the list of, of really gods. It's, it's very high on the list of things that we cherish. You pursue materialism and you find out that it's empty. It's an empty way of life. There's, there's nothing really of substance there. Families hand down things about dealing with life. Our way of life is handed to us. Things about how to handle conflict, how to deal with stress, how to view people, how do we look at them. These things are handed down to us. Here's some good news. We don't have to be stuck in the way of life that's handed to us. Jesus wants to redeem us from any empty ways that we are living and experiencing. If we'll turn from them and put our faith in him, he will begin to grow us out of those things. Sometimes he delivers us instantly from them, but sometimes we grow out of them. If, if you follow the empty ways, they're dead ends. But Jesus came to buy these back, to lead us out of them. That's the good news. Jesus redeems our past by removing the curse and replacing empty life patterns. That, that's what Jesus does. One of the major ways that he helps us with replacing these empty patterns is to put us in a whole new family. That, that's what the church is all about. That's what church is designed to be. Our, our church family has ancestors like Abraham. We just read the passage where it mentioned Abraham and his faith. In the church family, we have ancestors who followed God's ways. And, and we can learn new ways. At CIV, we aim to be a family who lives God's ways and encourages one another in them. We, we, we want to be this kind of family who, because you need a group. If we learn the things, if things are handed down to us from a culture, you need a new culture to learn the, the, the new ways. And that's what church is in, intended to be. When you become a member of CIV, what you do is you, you commit to work toward seven heart attitudes. And, and these heart attitudes come right out of Scripture. They describe how we're to relate to one another in interpersonal relationships. They also describe how an individual should relate to the, the whole overall church in order to help it go, make it, make it happen. These heart attitudes were uh, lined out by my mentor, Harold Bullock, who, who pastors a church in Fort Worth. And we're, the churches that have kind of started out of there are part of a network, and that's who we went to. Uh, India, the, the board members of this network went to India to help serve, three of them anyway. Uh, one of them didn't, but he had some things going on. But it was fascinating because these hard attitudes, they're unique to uh, the, the circle of churches that uh, has grown out of this. They're actually from Scripture, right out of Scripture, but they're, they're sort of unique. Well, on the other side of the world, Tim Shong is trying to start a church. He finds a guy that he thinks he wants to put on staff part-time, um, which is $75 a month. You can hire a part-time staff person for $75 a month, which is kind of amazing. But Rattan came to Christ in 1990 out of Hinduism. And uh, 
lost his family, lost everything, completely cut off from his family. But since he came to Christ, he's been trying to help uh, Muslim people come to Christ, come to know Christ. And uh, he's seen several hundred Muslim folks come to Christ. But in 1997, he went to um, a seminar or a conference of some kind in Delhi, and he learned the hard attitudes. So he carries around with him uh, this piece of paper with the hard attitudes on it. And this is fascinating because that's why I gave you the background. The the only way that he would know these specific hard attitudes is if he had some contact with somebody from this network of churches. And God puts Rattan in in Gwati because he's really from West Bengal, but he's there to work with Tim Shong. And he's got it's kind of fun. We took a picture of maybe I can show you someday, but there's you know, the hard attitudes in English and then underneath in Hindi and then the references for the hard attitudes. The first four hard attitudes. But these hard attitudes, they help us establish new ways of relating and living that keep us in the blessing zone and replace the empty patterns that we've inherited or that we've created ourselves, whether we've inherited them or not, or some we create ourselves. Um, The CIV hard attitudes are God's ways. And here's a chart that shows the hard attitude and the empty pattern that it, it replaces. First, first hard attitude, put the goals and interests of others above my own. The pattern, the empty pattern is selfishness. If, if you live a self-centered life, it's empty. There, there's nothing to it. There's no joy, no fulfillment whatsoever. The second hard attitude is live an honest and open life. The empty pattern is hiding our problems. Nobody can help you if they don't know what's going on with you. It's empty. You're lonely. You're, you're, you're separated from people if you're just hiding what's really going on. Third hard attitude is give and receive scriptural correction. The empty pattern it replaces is arrogance. Just not, not wanting anybody's help, not listening, not being open to being heard. Uh, the fourth hard attitude is clear up relationships with others. They get messed up. If you relate to people, they're problems. You, you, you get offended, you offend people. Um, the empty pattern it replaces is anger. Rather than just allowing anger to settle and cause problems, you deal with it. You deal with things rightly. You get things cleared up. Uh, the fifth hard attitude is participate in the work of the church. The empty pattern it replaces is laziness. And then the sixth, support the work of the church financially. It replaces materialism. And then finally, following scriptural uh, leadership, spiritual leadership within scriptural limits replaces the, the empty pattern of rebellion. These things lead to emptiness, those empty patterns. Jesus redeemed their past by removing the curse and replacing empty patterns. He helps with this by giving us the Holy Spirit. And he gives us a new family to live in where we see examples and we find encouragement to move forward in the patterns that fill us and guide us in that way. Our role is to learn to cooperate with Jesus so that we can grow out of these patterns. I can experience the benefits of redemption when I, first of all, activate redemption by putting my faith in Jesus. Galatians 3, 11 through 12. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law. 
because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. So faith, when you get a new credit card, you can't use the credit card until you call and activate it, right? Or you go online and activate it. Faith activates what Jesus has done on our behalf. You have to put your faith in him. When you put your faith in him, he removes the curse. When you put your faith in him, as you continue to trust him and, and walk with him and walk by faith, not by sight, not by trying to make up for your past self, but as you continue to put your faith in him, that he helps you get over and grow out of the empty patterns of life. So I can experience benefits by activating redemption and putting my faith in Christ. Secondly, living by the Spirit, not my own flesh. Galatians 5 says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with one another, so that you do not do what you want. When you decide to follow Christ, the battle begins to rage inside of you. And it's a battle between your old nature, your old patterns, your old way of doing things, and the new nature that God's Spirit brings. Because when you put your faith in Him, when you put your faith in Christ, you receive His Spirit. He comes in and gives you a new nature. And so a battle begins to rage. It's important to understand this battle that is going on or you get very discouraged. But the Holy Spirit shows us when we are living the empty patterns. And he wants to help us grow out of them. If we put our faith in him, not ourself, to overcome them, then we begin to grow out of them. As we identify them and put our faith in him and trust him, he helps us. Third, I can experience the benefits of redemption when I replace empty patterns of living with God's ways. Jesus redeems our path by removing the curse and replacing the empty life patterns. When we were trapped in our old ways, we had no hope of redeeming ourselves. We had no hope of redeeming our past. But Jesus paid the price to redeem us. What if God had paid $100 million to redeem us? How would you respond? $100 million. How would you respond to that? You would likely respond with gratitude and a real resolve to live for him. God didn't pay $100 million. He he paid. What God did is he became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. And he paid for our sin with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He paid for it himself with his own blood. This should motivate us to set aside our empty ways and to live for him. We're going to wrap up the message this morning. And I'd like to ask you to think through your next step. Um, Here's some suggestions. If you would, take out your connection card that's in your program, if you haven't already, and begin to complete filling it out. Um, But here's some suggestions. There may be some other next steps that the Lord's laid on your heart. But here's some suggestions that I have that you may want to let us know about and then drop it in the offering later on. First one, stop living by sight and live by faith. Stop, stop trying to make up for your own path by your own behavior, by the things that you can see, by your own effort. And live by faith. Put your faith in Him. Ask Jesus 
for help. Get forgiveness from him. Second step could be to choose one empty pattern from that chart that I went over. Uh, it's on your listening guide. Or dig into Ephesians 4, 25-32 this week. There are all kinds of things that we need to stop and what we need to replace them with. Like we, we need to stop being angry and replace it with kindness. So you, you can look at those. You can read through that. But you can choose an empty pattern uh, to replace and ask God for the help to replace it. And then another step would be for the first time I'm deciding to accept Jesus as my Savior and follow him as my Lord. As I said, in a moment we're going to be receiving the offering. And I'd like you to please take this time to finish completing any information on the connection card that you haven't been able to complete or the next steps that I've just walked through. When the offering ushers come around, you can drop it in the uh, offering basket. If if you're a first-time guest with us today, we're really glad you're here. And we have a gift for you. It's a book called The Case for Christ. It's right on the table to the left as you walk through those doors. Uh, You can pick it up on the gift information table on the way out. Um, is Is it another gift? Did I get the wrong gift? Okay, I think it's a movie. DVD. All right, well, it's nice to get clued in when you get back from India. So what's going on? <laughs> Another gift, but it'll be great. You'll, you'll love it. Uh, would you pray with me as the band comes up and as we uh, get ready to move on? Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word that really does set us free. Jesus, thank you for becoming a curse for us. Thank you for the price that you paid so that we could experience life. So we could get in the zone of blessing and out of the zone of cursing. Thank you for the love that this shows, for the kindness and the grace that you have given us, Lord. I, I ask that that you would help us to take the steps that you've laid on our heart. Help us to take the steps and have the power to do so in your Holy Spirit. Help us put our faith in you and trust you with our lives, God. We ask for this help in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.